Brother Huntley related to me earlier this morning about a church that went through a difficulty because of the death in the church. One man's response, and the church went to a very low point, but one man's response was this. You just can't hardly kill a church because the gates of hell. And while we were singing those lines, I thought 20 years of rivers, 20 years with always the presence of the Lord. The Lord's here, isn't he? Would you thank him for his closeness another time? Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, O Lord, for your church and for your presence that makes the church what we are. We thank you, O Lord. We thank you. I bless you, and you may be seated, and thank you for being here to celebrate this very special weekend, very special Sunday of 20th anniversaries. Only go around once. Now, you can have a bunch of 20s. You multiply them, but this is a very special Time and we certainly give honor to brother and sister Sharon, Tess, Emma, and Abby. And there are special guests here to help commemorate this time. It's just very nice, and we may not be able to mention everyone, but so very nice to have Dave and Fred Yates with us today. These are the folks that have been very kind to many of us, including brother and sister Sharon. They operate the Pinecrest Campground where we go to have our youth camps. And ever since going there, there has just been a special connection not only to the place, but to the people. And these two men represent a whole lot of kind people that help us to have a whole lot of great services and great meetings. And Dave always comes in to greet the junior camp service uh, as we come to a close and so thank you Dave and Fred very much for all of that and then particularly for being here today you know as leaders whether it's pastors or parents sometimes we don't realize all that we are investing in and as I see brother Manning here today and thinking of brother Sharon I saw Steve Doss brother Steve Doss and Miranda and sister Shay walking worshiping brother Manning you may not have fully realized everything that you were investing in but you invested anyhow and it's a true honor to the Sharons and to all of us for you to be here today and we want you to greet this congregation we love you and appreciate you and thank you for your investment would you give amen amen God bless you. You may be seated. What a joy, a privilege, and an honor to be here today. And uh, someone asked me if I was going to be here for the celebration. And uh, I said, by God's grace, I'm going to be there. And uh, I have probably known Brother Sharon longer than any of you. (laughs) And uh, I can honestly tell you that, of course, he was, his mother was my favorite sister. And uh, we spent a lot of time together. Our families traveled, went on vacations together. Brother Sharon worked with me for a couple years on his staff. And uh, through all the years that I have known him, I can honestly tell you, I find no fault in him. 
And he's always stood a step above and beyond anybody else around him. And one thing that I've always appreciated about Brother Sharon is that whenever he does anything, he does it well. And he excels in what he does. And I think it's an honor to be here today to celebrate 20 years. And, of course, they tell you that behind every good man, there's a good woman telling him what to do. And, <laughs> and Sister Sharon is a jewel of a, a lady. And uh, I remember when they first were getting eyes on one another. And uh, they acted like they were just friends. But if they said, we're, oh, no, no, we're just good friends. So, folks, if you're good friends, you may end up married. <laughs> Amen. But what a blessing they have been. And uh, Brother Sharon has been a, a blessing to this movement. And we appreciate his dedication, his consecration. In fact, it was right over here that I received my license for the United Pentecostal Church in 1964. And... Uh, but Kenneth has always been a strong point in the Missouri district, and we appreciate what is going on down here and for the move of God, and we're anticipating hearing a lot more yes. greater things coming Jesus out of here. Name. Brother Don, Sharon, we love you. We appreciate you, and it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Brother Manny. And uh, cousin Shelly and Darren are here, and we thank, we're thankful for that. And I don't know if I should hand them the mic or not. They got some good cousin stories, probably they could tell us, you know. <laughs> but they're shaking us down, so we'll we'll uh, we'll hold on that. Yeah, thank you all for being here today. And then brother and sister Doss, who have long been connected with brother and sister Sharon and this family, and then also with First Church are here today. Sister Amanda, come, and these, they're going to make some expressions to you and uh, on behalf of the Sharons. Okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to try. I got it all typed out and ready to go, if technology is friendly to me today. Um. As I was thinking about today, I started looking back at the dates, and I started reflecting back, and I realized that today, for me personally, we're not only here celebrating 20 years of a pastoral anniversary, but this actually represents something very personal to me, because this celebrates to me 20 years that you've been the shepherd of my heart. And you've been my pastor, and I've known you also for 20 years. So to me, this 20 years is a little bit more personal. Um, do y'all see some of those gray hairs? <laughs> I think I probably started some of them. <laughs> I was the daughter he wasn't expecting. I was the daughter he didn't realize he was getting, but I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't trade me for anything now. Because he made a choice, a choice in my journey of life to leave footprints and not scars. This is who our pastor is. His character is exemplified on how he treats those who can do nothing for him. I couldn't do nothing for him, but he continued to invest in me because he saw something in me that I didn't see. 
I could say so much about the memories of the last 20 years. I have good, I have bad, and I have ugly. I'll share with your youth, your youth pastors right there. I'll share with you just a few little tidbits. I'll share the good. Your church office upstairs, it is sacred, holy ground. When you pray in there, trust me, it's a place of where angels have descended. Our lives, my husband and I, our lives were forever changed in that area. You need answers? That's the place that you need to go and hit your knees. That's the place where this alpha female <laughs> submitted. And that's the place that my husband actually received a phone call to pastor our great church that we now pastor in St. Louis. A bad. Yes, you can actually fit 27 youth in the church van and drive to KC and back and nobody know. <laughs> it is possible. Okay, just maybe another bad one. I think I have some of my grown babies are in the house. Yeah, I see some. Jeremy's at Jay, Ash, Sheila. Yeah, I see some of my grown babies. You can actually mattress surf down the stairs of KCA, and they'll just slide right into the bathroom with no injuries. <laughs> Nobody has to know. All good. See? Right there. He is a living testimony that you survived, don't you, dear? Yes. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. And the real ugly one, I mean, this is like real ugly. Don't ever assume or think it's okay to break into the parsonage to get a projector that you really truly need for the youth. It's never okay to break in. <laughs> Brother Littles, I'm not sure if the door has been replaced, but he has left that door there for several years on purpose to remind us never to break in. We can celebrate all day long in the memories. I have lots of them. But you know what time fades memories? What time doesn't fade, though, is a legacy. Because a legacy is represented not within one person or one family. A legacy is in the life lessons, the character building, the respect earned, truth given, and loyalty in return through generations to come. Today, for me, it's about a legacy. The legacy of a man of God and the faithfulness of him and his family. Legacy isn't about just the things he did for himself, but his is what he's doing for the next generation. This is who our pastor is. That was apparent Friday night in that note burning. See, our pastor has chosen to work for a cause and not for an applause. Our pastor has chosen to live a life to express and not to impress. Our pastor doesn't strive to make his presence noticed, and within that itself, it makes his absence felt. It was mentioned over the weekend how many youth camps he has faithfully attended. And I remember my first youth camp I ever attended. I didn't even know if we took kids. I was a married adult. It was my first year youth pastoring here. And he forced. I am not saying he gave me an option. I am not saying that I had any options. He forced me to stay at Gateway. 
And it just so happened I was under a leaking AC unit and had to share a bathroom with probably 400 girls. This was really hard for this only child, spoiled Branson girl. Very hard. But since then, I've never missed a camp. Why? Because he knew one day I was going to be a mama. And the investment that I made that year, it was being built. Built for the next generation. It was being built for Braxton and for my grandkids and their grandkids. There were many occasions during our tenure at Mo Youth that I was done serving. I wanted to quit. Sheila, you and I have both learned the hard lessons of life when we have chosen to make decisions without pastor's blessings. Cars (laughs) blow up, plans fail, we lose lots of money. We've learned, right? We've learned, okay? We know we got to have the blessing. So I would go to him, and every time I was done and ready to quit, I was simply corrected with, no, you're not done. You're, you're going to finish what we've started here. And because this isn't about you and your feelings, this is about the kingdom. This is about Braxton and the most famous line ever. This is what we do because this is who we are. <laughs> This is what we do. I've watched this man withstand the waves of errors, the waves of trials, and be a man of his word. Because what he has taught me, truth has offended more people than any lie ever told. But he stands on his word. Loyalty, I've come to find out, is a very, very expensive gift. And I've learned not to expect loyalty from cheap people. I'll never forget someone one time informed me, didn't ask, informed me, that he expected the same loyalty I gave to Don Sharon to be given to him. I nicely looked at him, and I said, well, you really don't have enough money for what it takes for that price tag. I easily easily give my loyalty to this man of God because of his character, because of his integrity, because of his honesty, because of his unfailing love. I'm a personal testament that his legacy, his influence carries on. It carries on in me. It carries on in our church. You know, when we, when we were here, it was so nice to say, I'm so sorry. Go talk to pastor. I'm so sorry that the sound's too loud. I'm so sorry that it's so cold in here. Go talk to pastor. Well, when the roles reversed and we became the pastor and that was turned on us, I'd be like, oh, pastor, what do I do? And, you know, he became the smart one. You know, just like how us kids, we think we know it all and then, You know, our parents don't know anything. And then as we get older, we're like, oh, mom and dad were right. Yeah, we've lived in that very much so. Very much so. But not only does it carry on in our church, it carries on in my son. Um, Hopefully I'm not going to (laughs) cry. But uh, you've invested in my baby. 
You love my baby. My baby knows that. My baby knows that Dave, whenever he breaks a $3,000 window playing tag at Pinecrest and, you know, mom and dad have beat him senseless, that he just has to wait a little bit longer. And then Uncle Donnie comes in to say, enough, enough, and rescues. Whenever um, I don't feel like saying yes all the time, and I want to say no, and I say no, and he's like, okay, fine, Mom, I'm calling Uncle Don. (laughs) Just like today, I planned on going home after service, and I get here, and I am told, when am I leaving? (laughs) And I'm not leaving until tomorrow. Not leaving until tomorrow. So I am very humbled I am very blessed, and I'm very honored to have our pastor be my very first phone call on Father's Day. I never miss one, never. He is the real deal, and I'm so, so thankful for that. And then there's Sister Shay, my first lady. Man, I don't know how I can, like, outdo what was said about her yesterday. I mean, seriously, she just rocks. Everything she touches, she just rocks. She's just amazing. Even this week, I'm trying really hard not to bother her, and I'm trying. I I got this issue going on, and I'm really stressed, and I'm praying, and I'm like, I'm not calling her. I'm not calling her, and then she calls, and she can't hear it in my voice. What's wrong? Nothing. No, something's wrong. What's wrong? Nothing. (laughs) Within two minutes, I have both of them on speakerphone telling me (laughs) I'm planning out my week and letting me know how to fix the problem. She just knows. She just knows. But I'm so thankful that God knew what I needed in my life without me even asking for it. One of my greatest memories was when you were pregnant with Abby. And I headed out to the Arkansas property, and nobody really knew that what the doctors had told Steve and I. Nobody really knew that we were told we couldn't have kids. And um, we've been praying, and we've been trying, and... I remember coming out to that Arkansas property. I'm, I'm like, oh, nervous. And I walked into that kitchen, and you're cooking, of course. And I said, I have something to tell you. And you just looked at me, and you stopped in your tracks. And I was like, I'm pregnant. Abby, you were in there. You were probably five months. And all of a sudden, you just started jumping. <laughs> and you were rejoicing, and tears flowed down that face. You rejoiced with me. You've loved my baby since he was in my womb. You've loved him like your own. You've claimed him as your own. There's there's nothing that can replace that. I'm thankful for your influence and your actions have shown me what it is to be known by my own identity. To walk on holy ground. To be unafraid to be free and silly at times because life's too short to be uptight and all figured out. It's okay if I'm running late. Thank you for teaching me that. It's okay if I don't have everything organized and ready to go. It's okay. God's still going to move. It's okay. I needed that in my life. Thank you. Thank you for that. You've taught me a woman who knows who she is and her identity is in Christ. And within that, it's not easy to fall into those traps of the enemy because you know who you are. You know, the world has enough women 
who know how to do their hair. And I could have came down here and you could have taught me how to do my hair or how to dress or how to do this or how to do that. But mm -mm. you taught me not how to improve my external appearance, but your focus has always been my internal, my heart, my motives, my actions. You showed me how to do hard and holy things. And we need women, I hope, to be your legacy and to be a woman that would rather be beautifully sacrificial than perfectly artificial. To my precious babies, there's one, where's the other? There's two, there's one back here. These are my babies. These are my girls. These are my sweet teas. God knew that I just couldn't be a mom 365, 24, seven days to a girl. It's just not in me. But he also knew that I had a whole lot of love to share. So he blessed me with nieces, my nieces, my girls, my babies. So I have a couple things for you guys. Remember, my loves, you are a daughter of the one true king and his name is Jesus. God created each one of you for a reason. He created you to be special, but most importantly, he created you with purpose. It's not about being more. It's about knowing you are already enough and being who he has called you to be. There's been nothing like these last few years having one baby close to me up at Urson. I love Life 360, you all. They call me a helicopter aunt. I really don't know why. I mean, Braxton says, like, I'm a pretty protective mom. I mean, Ashley has said it for years. You know, I don't know why they say that about me. But Life 360 is very great because, you know, when there's storms, I can easily track tests and make sure that she's safe and sound. And then Emma comes, and, and, you know, Tess was always so good. Her phone was charged. You know, I never had to worry about any of that. And then Emma comes to Urson. I think within the first month, maybe, Uncle Steve bought you a phone charger. Oh, that was Tess. Oh, I thought it was Emma. Okay, Uncle Steve bought you a phone charger because he couldn't handle your phone not charged. But then there's Emma who just doesn't answer her phone or answer text or any of the above. (laughs) I mean, just last week, I'm sitting there in Life 360 for a good hour. We're having a snowstorm, and I'm watching her slowly progress from Troy, Missouri to Urshan. She had no idea I was watching, thank God, but um, I'm watching her slowly progress down the road. Abby is not fortunate enough to have me on Life 360 yet. You know, she hasn't left the home nest, so the home nest is good. But, but I'm so thankful. So they call me a helicopter aunt, so I decided to give the girls helicopter keychains today so and they're Shelly they're all sparkly too they got bling on them but I decided to give my girls keychains so they know that their aunt Randa is always watching them always knowing what they're doing but most importantly knowing that there's always somebody just besides mom and dad covering your guys's backs in prayer and loving you and are there for you no matter what I love this church. Michelle said it so perfectly Friday night when she said, I love it when you guys are home. This is home. This is home. This is my family. And I'm so blessed to be a part of First Church in that sense. Love you all.
Pastor Doss, why don't you come right here, sir, and thank you for being here today. Love you. Amen. Great job, Miranda. It is good to be home. Thankful for you and thankful for, for an opportunity to be here and celebrate a great occasion of 20 years at this church that has such great historical value and apostolic love being in an apostolic church and it is a honor to be here today i'm not going to be so nice if you will uh this is probably the worst part for pastor is uh him not being in control of the microphone and so i get that <laughs> let me just tell you how easy he has it It consists of a never-ending barrage of burdens that a pastor bears. It's a silent burden that nobody notices. It's a calling that nobody understands until you become one. You have to be, he has to be wise, knowledgeable. He has to have the answers for everything and for everyone. He has to be a good financial steward and an advisor to those who are not. When we give of our finances and walk away from the offering pan, that burden of possibly knowing that the bills are greater than the money, the stress financially, emotionally weighs heavy upon him. He stays late at night awake and he cares and has concern for the thousands of souls that still remain unsaved in his community. And he contemplates of what more he could do. And at the end of the day, he always feels like he's never done enough. Pastors are constantly wondering about the conditions and the souls of God's people. And praise that every saint stays faithful and continues in this apostolic journey. He wonders where you were on Sunday and where you were on Wednesday. And hopes that you did not get hurt or offended. He's always, always balancing out people's indifferences and is constantly being a peacemaker to those. He has, believe it or not, the same emotions that you and I do. He is indeed a human being. He's never expected to get mad or upset or irrational. He has to shake hands and kiss babies every service. He has to be all-powerful, all-understanding, all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent, and perfect in all of his ways. They are expected to be all things to all people at all times. An expectation that only God can do. He secretly criticized for making decisions he feels is right for the body of Christ. And he's wrong if he does, and he's, he's wrong if he doesn't. He makes decisions that he feels that he's heard from God. They are decisions that nobody will ever, ever understand. Your shepherd knows that at the end of the time here on earth that he will stand before God and he will give an account for every 
single soul. And that's just the beginning of how easy he has it. And his wife and family, they carry burdens as well that they don't even know or even recognize. But there's something very special about a godly pastoral family. As you know, we've heard all weekend that I do believe you have the very best pastoral family on planet Earth. And now you can applause. A lot of people do not really appreciate or understand the importance of having a great pastor. We have a great pastor. For words are insufficient to really describe how awesome we really feel that he is. I must admit, I remember my first year as pastor. I remember calling Pastor Sharon and apologizing. Because it was much more difficult than I have ever anticipated. For everyone knows how to be a pastor until they become one. As a young minister, I thought I knew I had all the answers of what he should do. But literally, I knew nothing at all about being a pastor. I look back now and I realize why he said what he said and why he did what he did and why he decided what he decided because he truly was a great and is a great pastor. Now I'm approaching 13 years of pastor and I still know nothing <laughs> They say the first five years, you're pastor, and after that, they think, they let you think that you're pastor. But I've seen you demonstrate, sir, on multiple occasions, uttermost patience, kindness, meekness. You have been the epitome of one who has served well and has demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit. You are a wonderful pastor. I've seen you laugh. I've seen you, well, a few times cry. You don't always cry. And if you do, it's either really good or it's really bad. And we prefer not the latter. I've seen people hurt you. And you still acted godly. Not once did you ever lash out. You never reacted. You never got bitter. You never got angry. Not one time have I ever heard you gossip. And you looked at them same people in the eye and kept loving and caring for those. 
that sincerely despised you. And I thank you for what you've demonstrated to us of what a pastor should be. If I knew then what I know now about when people hurt you, never mind, I better skip on what I would do. Here's where it gets downhill. Pastor, I want to say thank you for not firing me in the eight years that I was here. Thank you. (laughs) Because many times you could have and should have said, as you would say, Doss, pack your bags and get out of here. So thank you. As a young youth pastor, I knew nothing about liability and lawsuits. I am sincerely sorry for driving a 15-passenger van with 25 kids with the U-Haul doing 95 miles an hour. I am sincerely sorry for getting the youth group kicked out of the go-kart tracks in Branson. Walmart, and every other place. (laughs) I'm sorry for letting kids, as Miranda mentioned, slide down flights of stairs on plastic tables. I'm sorry for introducing the game of spoons to the youth and never anticipated kids would be getting hurt, hospitalized, and bloodshed. I do apologize. I'm sorry for lying to the hotel clerk when I reserved two rooms and they asked if there was going to be any more than four adults. And I told them no because really we actually had 15 per room because we didn't have enough money for our trip. I do apologize for that. Oh, my word. Most of all, I'm sorry for encouraging a young person to throw a C battery at kids who were driving go-karts and knocking one kid out, I'm sincerely sorry. Oh, and this one you don't know about. You're going to think I'm really bad, y'all, I'm telling you. I'm sorry that I punched one of my young people in the back of the head because I thought he was going to break my finger in a game of spoons, and so I just, out of, re- just, yeah, just, said, I'm sorry. You always said something, you know, it is better to ask what you don't know won't hurt, but not true. Here's some things that my pastor taught me. (laughs) You don't own volunteers, but you do the youth pastor. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number two. Uh, never react. He never said. He, he always said, never react. Because Doss, your reaction is everything. And he clearly demonstrated that and still does today. Never react. Number three, being on time is still late. (laughs) Sandy, it was so odd that we were there 45 minutes early because that was pounded into our brain. Being on time is still late. He taught me, he said this, if you want to keep your saints, don't play sports or games with them. (laughs) I already lost that game. As Miranda mentioned, never, ever break in to the pastor's home while he was out of town because I did last but not least (laughs) never act like you're in charge because he will let you know otherwise (laughs) it was this pulpit here I am that I act like I was in charge and he slammed his hand down I'm in charge sit down (laughs) and I did I only did that one time that was it and then never approaching this is how I feel if he's got the squinty eyes That means come back later. It's not the time nor the place. Yes, I was a terrible youth pastor. I know. But it had been and is and was an honor to serve here. My boy was born here. Pastor, you were the first to hold that boy. And he's grown up to be an awesome young man that loves God. And I... I wouldn't ask, I wouldn't ask for any other. I wouldn't take those years back for nothing. Because they have made me who I am today. And how I respond. I always mistook your patience for not caring. But you taught me to be patient. And thank you for being such a wonderful pastor. And for the first lady, there you are. (laughs) I love you so much. I love you. And I remember at Solid Rock used to play and sing. I never would have thought in a million years that this would be the dynamic that we would have. And you're a wonderful first lady that sincerely cares. 
I know you are generally spunky and happy, and but there's been a few times that I know that you meant business when it came to me. Well, thank you for, thank you for that. And I know you carry the same burden that he carries, being a first lady. And it's just more than just friends and acquaintances, but I do feel like you and your family are sincerely, I feel like blood family. And you both have demonstrated so very much your love, your kindness, your support to Miranda and I through the years, and I sincerely do love you very, very much, and thank you for all that you guys have done for the Dawes family. And then the, the wonderful ladies, you guys are so beautiful and godly. I could hang around y'all, because you guys are fun, energetic, crazy. So I have, I have to pick a favorite. All three of you are my favorite. And uh, they call me Uncle Steve. And I do love all of y'all very much. And I know many times you guys have carried the burden as well and not even knew what you were carrying. And you guys are absolutely, positively amazing, God-fearing. And you have such a wonderful father, mother, and pastors. And we're so glad that, that you have adopted us as well. Let me just say this as I close. Braxton the other day said, Dad, you're my favorite preacher. And I said, oh, thank you. And that meant so much to me. And he went on. He said, Victor Jackson's my second dad. I said, I appreciate that. So, Pastor, you're my favorite preacher and always has been, and he should be yours because he daily is trying to preach to save your soul, and you are blessed, and we are blessed to have the wonderful man of God, Pastor Sharon and his wife. We love them so very much. I love you very much. You may be seated. Sister Lisa is coming at this time with a special presentation. And after her presentation, we'll immediately follow a special video presentation. Pastor, Sister Shay, would you come up here, please? We'd like to present you with this scrapbook to commemorate your past 20 years here. It's kind of heavy, I know. <laughs> it was hard to pick. <laughs> Thank you so much for all you've done for First Church. At the back, there, <laughs> it's hard to pick out memories for 20 years. At a point, we just had to say, okay, we have to stop. <laughs> there are notes in the back from people in the church and the kids in Sunday school. Thank you for all the lives that you've touched and impacted. It's hard to put 20 years of memories in pictures but hopefully, as you look through these memories, it will spark other memories of things that have happened. Thank you so much. We love Amen. and appreciate you. Thank you so much, Sister Lisa. 
Thank you to all of you. And I'm looking forward to watching the video. Congratulations to Pastor Don Sharon and his lovely wife, Sister Shay, for your 20 years of service as pastor of First Church of Kennett, Missouri. Congratulations to this congregation of First Church for your honor to your wonderful First Family. It's been my privilege to know Brother Sharon for nearly 36 years, working with him in junior and youth camps, as we both filled several different roles in those camps. For 16 years, I served on the Children's Ministry Committee under his leadership as the director. That truly was a great time with many wonderful memories. We now serve together on another board. Brother and Sister Sharon, you've been wonderful friends to my wife and I. We appreciate the love and kindness that you and your children have shown us, treating us like old family members. It's been our pleasure to have Brother Sharon in our home many times over the years, preaching for us, ministering to us, and to our congregation. Brother Sharon, in October 2018, you preached our weekend services, honoring our 36 years as pastor in Canton, which was also the weekend of the installation of our pastor, Phil Darnell. You were such a blessing to us that weekend with your anointing and abilities in ministering. Thank you for that weekend. Thank you, Brother and Sister Sharon, for being who you are to us and to so many others. We love you dearly. Again, we say congratulations for your 20 years at First Church. May you both be blessed with good health and long life. God bless. Greetings from Southern California. We want to wish our wonderful friends, Donnie and Shay Sharon, happy pastoral anniversary. We wish we could be there. We do wish we could be there. We, we love, love you guys. guys. Happy anniversary. Congratulations, brother and sister Sharon. On 20 years of pastoring in Kennett, Missouri, we are excited for you guys. You've made a difference in your city. You've made a difference in the Missouri district and the United Pentecostal Church nationally. You are wonderful people. We're proud to call you friends and we look forward to what else God has in store for you. We love you, brother and sister Sharon, Tess, Emma, and Abby. Congratulations again. Wish we could have been there. God bless the Sharons. Brother and sister Sharon, congratulations on 20 year pastoral anniversary. What a mile marker and you have done it with grace and class. I'm sure your heavenly father is saying job well done. He is well pleased. You fought a good fight. You finished the course and you've kept the faith. There's an apostolic church there and we celebrate you with you. From Eureka, the McDonald's love you. Wish we could be there in person. We would slap uh, high fives. We would shake hands and hoop and holler at all of the great things God has done through you. And we give you the highest honor today. Thank you for not only ministering in Kennett, but publicly allow me to say thank you for ministering to children around the world. My children are different because of you. They're better because of you. Thank you, brother and sister Sharon, for being an example. We are so grateful to have you in our lives. We have the highest regard for you. Your names are household names and our names and we revere you greatly. And on this day, we celebrate you. You're a wonderful fisherman. You're a wonderful man of God. 
and I hear you're a great duck hunter. I know you know where the best restaurants are. So when we get together, we you got to let us take you out and we'll celebrate then. We love you and God bless you and God bless the great Apostolic Church in Kennet. 20 years. Congratulations. And your first lady is coming to minister in song, and so much has been said, rightfully so, about Sister Shay Sharon. But when she strikes the notes on the piano and sings those words and notes, there is an anointing, and I feel it here right now. She's going to minister in song. Praise the Lord, church. Reminiscing over 20 years. And I've said it multiple times just this weekend. And I mean it, and I'll say it one last time. Aside from being a wife and a mom, being here with you all for 20 years has been the most favorite part of my life. And um, this is the very first song I sang that first Sunday we showed up and didn't know what God had in store. Literally had no idea that we would be here 20 years but this song is what I sang then and I meant it then and it means even more now. And I pray that it blesses you. In my moments of fear Through every pain Every tear There's a God Who's been faithful To me
she sang that song I didn't know like I know today how faithful that he really is but I declare to First Church he is faithful First Church he is faithful God is faithful he's been faithful to me he's been faithful to you he is a faithful God and we ought to just celebrate it's in order to rejoice that God has been faithful to you to me Today I say thank you, Lord. Today I say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. You may be seated 20 years. Look. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Today it's fitting, proper, and in order to honor all who have blazed the trail before me. In eight years, this church will be 100 years. A church of a century is but merely days and a few years away. So... Might I say that it is fitting and in order to say thank God for every pastor that has graced this pulpit. And I honor the memory of every pastor that God sent First Church to declare to you what we just heard saying. He is faithful. God's been faithful to First Church. He gave us a legacy of leaders that has brought us to this place today. And for that we say, thank you, Lord. And in its 92 years of history, I now have the distinct privilege of being the second longest tenured pastor in 
its history today. And for that, I'm grateful. And when I say that, I believe that it's in order today to say a moment of reflection and appreciation for the memory and the legacy of the ones that preceded my wife, our first lady, and myself as pastor. Carol and Priscilla Magruder made an indelible mark. And thanks to them, if it weren't for them, we would not be here. And so I owe a debt of gratitude to the Magruders and would like to ask you if you would help me give thanks to God for Carol and Priscilla Magruder who led with love this great church First church is what it is because of the legacy of leaders. And today I say thank you God for Carol and Priscilla Magruder and all that they have meant to so many, but specifically to Shay and I. Thank you. Thank you. This church is a landmark church and its leadership has been impeccable to all of the precious saints of God who have called First Church home that are now in their heavenly home. I look out and I see empty seats today where so many saints of God sat and now they walk the streets of gold. I thank God for the privilege that I've had to pastor them. Today we honor them, their memory, our history. Our 20 years here has been an amazing journey and for that I am extremely grateful I'm thankful for every step of the way on this journey. This journey has made me the minister that I am today. And I owe such gratitude for this distinct privilege that you have afforded my wife and I and this first family. I am and will always be extremely grateful for this great privilege that you have given me. I said it yesterday and I will say it again today. There were many that proclaimed this day would never come. They gave us months and at best but a few years to be here. But I'm still here. I'm still here. And if you want to know why I'm here, look in the mirror. That's what I said. That's what I believe. If you want to know why I'm here, if you want to know why we're here, look in the mirror. It's because of you, precious people. Thank you for giving us this weekend. I know they've been long nights and days. And I say today that I am moved with gratitude that you've given us the time that you've given us. It takes a long time to be someplace 20 years. So it's hard to celebrate it in 20 minutes. I'm thankful that you have given us this remarkable weekend. We are deeply moved. I'm so grateful for each of you. Everything we do is because of you. We love First Church and we'll always love First Church. You are the best. There is no better. What a weekend it has been. To all who work countless hours to prepare this place for this wonderful weekend. Thank you is not sufficient, but it is heartfelt. Work days, nights, so many of you sacrifice so much. And I say thank you. Letters, cards, flowers. I didn't think I liked flowers till I saw the bouquet that you gave us that day. That was a beautiful bouquet. Just, just simply represent, all that represented was your legacy of giving and graciousness and for that 
I am extremely indebted to you and I'm so, so very, very thankful. What a service we had in this sanctuary on Friday night. Simply spectacular. A night for note burning. To all who spoke, honored, sang, preached, it couldn't have been better. But better than the presence was your presence. So many of you were here. You know that over the course of the last months, I've begged, pleaded, prodded, and pushed that you come. And you did. And I'm grateful. That meant the world. Food, fellowship, and fun followed. Phil Darnell, there's not a better chef that I know. Great food. I love to celebrate with all of my friends. And We are debt-free. We are debt-free. That's got a ring to it. The fire finally fell. What a great night. It was only made better. By God and his powerful presence, we were blessed. And then Saturday, you gave a day to honor 20 years with my wife and my sweet team. They are the best. It was a superb Saturday. The beauty to behold when we walked into that gala, that masterpiece display that had been prepared. Sister Laura and Casey and Clyde and Angel and their family, wow. They outdid themselves as we walked into that wonderful gala that had been given to us out of a heart of love. Everything you do is out of that heart of love, and we are so grateful for that. Our luncheon was love on display. Every word that was so fitly spoken testified with clarity that each of you love us the way you are loved by us. The food again was fabulous. First church shined brighter than all the bulbs in the baby's breath. You are you. And we say thanks for loving me. Thanks for loving us. We love First Church. I believe that it is fitting to again say today to all of you, thanks for giving us this day. I I know what time it is and I'm aware and you know that I'm very conscientious about time and I'm always looking at the clock and if you're on time, you're late and all that. But this doesn't happen every day. This doesn't happen every Sunday. It takes 20 years to get here and your patience is greatly appreciated and I'm thankful for the love that you are sharing with us today and to give an opportunity for my uncle, my pastor to be here and speak those words I already went down to him individually and told him how much they mean to me it means the world to have a pastor and I thank God for the pastor and the uncle and the man of God that I have in my uncle Jim and I can call him that he told me a long time ago I can call him that and uncle Jim I'm moved that you and Shelly and Darren are here and I feel like and I told him I feel like he's representing really the only thing that's missing this weekend it's the first time we've had a celebration like this that she hasn't been here and so thanks for representing the best Steve and Miranda and man Dave and Fred and I start calling names I mean my my sweet friend from strawberries is yes, here my family's here so the first church is here I mean just just this is it's just outstanding. I'm so, so, so grateful. And man, I can't wait, Sister Shay, for you and I to spend the time 
perusing the pages of promise and possibility and knowing that what's happened for these past 20 years is only going to get better. I'm moved with your presentations, First Church, and the love that you have shown me. My pastor and my dad, since his death, I'm thankful that Steve Williford has become my adopted dad and my pastor, and you mean the world to me. And I told these two gentlemen here, as we stood in the office before we walked into this wonderful sanctuary, that this is what I picked to celebrate our day. My pastor, my dad, and my favorite preacher. I just want you to know, you're getting ready to hear the best preacher in the world. Now, I heard what Pastor Doss said, that I'm supposed to be your favorite. I got got to tell you, if I'm your favorite preacher, hear me tell you who my favorite preacher is. And you all will tell this great man of God. I've been saying it every time we have a time to celebrate this weekend and what's going to happen. I said, my favorite preacher is going to, he's going to come preach. We saved the best for last. I wanted you to know, here's, here's, I remember he was here about 10 years ago and I told you this, this guy has always been Superman to me. Okay. I served on, you, you know how many hats I wear and everything that I serve on. It doesn't matter when it's time to put a name up about who should come preach. It wouldn't have mattered if it was ladies conference. If I was on that team, I'd say, I got a name. I got a name. You know what would happen? Brother Huntley, back in the day, what they, the guy that was writing on the board, the names, he just went up and wrote Wayne Huntley on the board every time. Because he knew it was coming. And you know why? Because there's nobody that preaches with more passion and anointing than Wayne Huntley. And here's what I told you the last time. I had a privilege a high honor and a privilege to go and to minister in his congregation and what a weekend it was he took me to his ranch and he took me fishing and he and I saw that Clark Kent is even better than Superman this guy is real I have worked for 20 years at First Church to let people know that we are real and I'm excited about him coming I have I have one one thing And I have one thing only that we've had a lot of things that were done, but I have one thing and one thing only to do before I release this powerful preacher to preach to this great congregation. And that is to say this, that my wife, my wife is the finest first lady that anyone could ask for. She has led with love, compassion, and care. She is gifted, gorgeous, godly. She has exampled Proverbs 31 while serving with excellence. Her ministry has complimented and motivated mine every step of the way. Without her, we wouldn't be where we are today. She has proven for 20 years that you can have it all in a pastor's wife. She loves like 1 Corinthians 13. She leads with that love. She sings with such power and anointing that the angels in heaven pause and listen and the psalmist declares with confidence, now that is a joyful noise she's a hostess that marvels with her masterpiece she search, you search the entire country afar and I have there is not a finer cook than can be found everything is made with love and amazing 
And these are only a few of her finest traits. Perhaps the greatest of her accomplishments can be witnessed when you observe the greatest gifts that she's given me, your first family. Tess, Emma, Abby. All three of these lovely ladies are like their mother. Gifted, gorgeous, godly, loving, caring, kind, anointed vessels of honor to their king. You, it's your fault. You've helped make them what they are today. And might I say, you've done an amazing and a marvelous job. Tess is in her third year at Urshan College and her beauty and talent are on display there and God is using her in such an awesome way. She's a powerful preacher of this glorious gospel and you know if you've been here when she brings the word, that dad sits there in amazement as she mic drops it when she's done. If you know what I mean, it's just a powerful, powerful woman of God. Emma's in her first year at Urshan College and she shines brightly there. Her beauty and boldness for her king are on display daily. She has a heart for his will and missions on her mind. Only God truly knows where that is taking her. Whatever the calling is, she will fulfill it with excellence like she does everything. And our baby. Abby she's a senior here at Kennett Christian Academy you go girl God's got you a stand in awe of the gifts he's given you and how you are using them for him for his glory you lead in music and much more worship kindness compassion and care to all of my ladies is no greater joy there is all of this has been spectacular superb but there is no greater joy when I watch them worship when I hear her lead there's something that swells up on the inside of first church pastor and that is great joy there is no greater joy than to know what I know that what you have given them what you have given me there is no greater gift you gave me them and who they are for him so today I say thank you First Church thank you First Church thank you First Church for them and what they are for stand with me Superman Clark Kent the best preacher my favorite preacher the man of God as we sat last night and he Shared from his heart scriptures and sermon thoughts. And he didn't know it, but every one of them was just like being downloaded. And whatever one he doesn't preach today, you're going to hear next Sunday. Brother Huntley, I love you. And I'm deeply moved that you would spend this day with us. You've always been and you'll always be my favorite preacher. You're my friend and I love you. Take your liberty at First Church. We're honored and humbled to have Many times in the Old Testament, God got very weary with His people. 
But he, he helped himself. The Bible said, and he remembered that they were but flesh. And I'm humbled and challenged and blown away by the kind expressions of your pastor. And it's a great privilege to be here in this moment of 20th anniversary. Doesn't seem like possible to me. I was here 10 years ago and how time has quickly passed. And with that in mind, I will set your hearts at ease. There's nothing like a great wife, as he spoke of. You know, they said behind every successful man, there is an, an exhausted wife. And behind every, every successful man, there is a surprise mother-in-law. So I know what you're talking about. So my wife has trained me well in ministry. If there's anything good about my ministry, you can accredit her because she's been my coach for all these years. And if you're a young man here and you want to be a preacher, marry a great lady and let her train you. Well, that's the message. Because she will dare to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. And so my wife has taught me this. A message does not have to be eternal to be immortal. Which means you don't have to preach a long, long time. And everything that's been said, everything that's been done has been proper and right. Because this day is really about celebrating this, this couple, their family, their commitment, their love, their devotion to you. And I'm telling you, pastors like this do not grow on trees. They are not a dime a dozen. You do not find people like this because it's more than a career. It's more than a profession. It's the fact that they have a deep down discernible call of God. And I don't know who you are. I'd like to meet you personally. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. It may be some of those that have already gone on. But somewhere in this audience or in this church... There is somebody that I would really like to pray for me. Because somebody won the heart of God when God sent this couple to you. Somebody prayed for God's will to be done and the right man came here. And that's what's made the difference in the history of this past 20 years. Having the right man at the right place at the right time with the right message. It may seem a little redundant. But one more time, give your spiritual leadership a great big hand. Worthy, worthy, worthy. The Bible said they're worthy of double honor. Especially in this generation of clergy that are so disappointing. And we thank God for this family. Joy to be here. Again, I say I'm humbled by your kind remarks. And let me say right up front, he meant well with what he said. His heart is right. There, there, he's right. His heart is right with God. But his statements are a bit exaggerated. And so I, I, I receive that encouragement today. I'm going to try to preach again because he has encouraged me in the Lord today to try again. I give honor to Brother Williford, long, long time friend. Way, way back, long friend, my, what a joy to be with him. One of the greatest Christians that are on, on this planet. 
and a man that I love, respect, revere so very much. And it's good to see Brother Manning again. Haven't seen him in years. It's a joy to see you. Thank you for coming. Your presence meant so much to this service today. Would you give a hand clap to him for being here today? Thank you. Thank you. I will try to do what I've been asked to do, and that is preach. And I'll try not to be all that lengthy, but I will ask you to slide out on the edge of your pew, give me your attention, get alert, get responsive. I have something to say that I want to add to this great celebration. Esther chapter 9, verse 17. Esther 9, 17. On the 13th day of the month of Adar, on the 14th day of the same, rested they and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews that were Shushan assembled together on the 13th day thereof, and on the 14th thereof, and on the 15th day of the same, they rested, made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the 14th day of the month, Adar, a day of gladness and feasting, and a good day, and of sending portions one to another. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. Everybody say yearly. As the days were in, the Jews rested from their enemies in the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun and as Mordecai had written unto them. Because Haman, now here's where we're going to preach today. Because Haman, the Hamadatha, ooh, I saw him speaking in tongues. I guess that's close enough to what that means. I don't know. My son-in-law, when he hits a word like Hamadatha, that's that's the way he dodges those words in the Bible. Hama, uh, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them. Remember that? Haman wanted to kill all the Jews and had cast a pure, that is the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head. And that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore, they call these days, it looks like Purim. But if you'll look it up, it's actually Purim. It's pronounced Purim. They call these days Purim after the name of Pur. Therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter, which had come unto them. The Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. They set aside two days every year and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every promise, province in every city that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews nor the memorial of them perish from their seed 
I know all that means absolutely nothing to you right now. But I hope to bring some sense out of it and add a dimension to this celebration that I think we may not have addressed just yet. I want to preach to you on this celebration day, on the celebration of Purim, the celebration of Purim. I know God has done immeasurable, innumerable, beyond comprehension, miracle after miracle, blessing after blessing over these some 20 years of this godly leadership that you have given. And yet I will preach to you that you have only given him half the praise that he is due. We have only given him half the praise that he is due. I will illustrate that first of all by asking you, if you know that in these 20 years you have seen miracles, signs, and wonders, the supernatural, divine demonstration, intervention of the Spirit, and you know that people have been healed in this church, people have been delivered in this church, lives have been changed in this church, would you give God a great big hand clap for what He has done? Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Preach with me now and we'll go fast. I love what my friend Charlie Mahaney used to say. We miss him in Pentecost. Such a character. He said that Bible will shed a lot of light on them commentaries. By that I mean read whatever you want to read, ladies and gentlemen, but there's nothing like the good book. There is nothing like reading the Word of God. And in a casual time of reading the scripture some time back, I came across this most interesting story. I became convinced and I became convicted from this story that our foundation for celebration and praise has been greatly shortchanged through the years. Even in the apostolic Pentecostal church that is renowned and famous for great praise. Our guests that are here today I know you've been shocked maybe. You've been startled somewhat. You've wondered, is this a safe place to be? Because of the physical demonstration of outward praise to God. But our opinion is, you shouldn't go to a ball game or to a concert and celebrate more than you do in the house of God. That He's worthy of all our praise. The book of Esther is one of only two biblical books where the name of God is not mentioned. There are two books in the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned. One is Esther and the other is the Song of Solomon. You can read those books and you will find that the name of God is not mentioned there. However, there seems to be a great source of encouragement in its non-existence in the book of Esther. So I ask you this question. If God was not in the book of Esther... How did Esther, a Jew, become queen? And how did Haman, the enemy of God's people, end up humiliated and disgraced, hanging from the gallows he had built for Mordecai? I quickly want to tell that story about, some of you may not be that familiar with the Bible, how he wanted to kill the Jews. So he went before the king and, and he, he said, what would the king do to a man that he would like to honor? And he thought he was that man. What would, what would the king like to do to show public affirmation of someone he greatly believed in? And the king said, well, Mordecai, uh, Haman said, why don't you uh, get, get the king's horse and put the king's robe on him, on the man, and put him up on the horse. 
and let a man walk in front of him and declare, this is a man who the king honors. To Haman's shock and surprise, the king turned around and said, great idea. Go get Mordecai. Put the robe on him. Put him on the horse. And you lead him through the city. Screaming, this is a man whom, the, don't you know he was disgraced and humiliated? But worse than that, the gallows he had built for Mordecai to hang on, he hung there himself. If God was not in that book, how was the Jewish nation spared from diabolical plot of Haman to annihilate every Jew? Let the record show today and be advised, just because God does not autograph his work does not mean he's not the author and the architect of the avenging, delivering, and defending of the people of God. So I quote the songwriter, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never, ever stops working. Clap your hands because when you couldn't see him, he was there. When you could feel him, he was there. When you wondered where he was, he was not far away. I appreciate you clapping your hands and rejoicing. In his hatred and jealousy of the people of God, Haman devised a devious plan to have all the Jews killed. By divine intervention, God used Esther to have Haman's plan foiled. The Feast of Purim, that's what I'll preach about. The Feast of Purim was created and initiated to be a Jewish festival celebrated every year. It would be held on the 14th and 15th day of Adar which translates to march. They were to light candles, rejoice, give gifts to one another, and celebrate. Here, here's what I'll preach. And celebrate what did not happen. It was a feast to celebrate what did not happen. Haman was not successful. The Jews were not annihilated. His plan was foiled by God. And they said from this day forever, two days out of a year, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to light candles. We're going to give gifts. We're going to have a great day. And it's going to be a good day. And we're simply going to celebrate what did not happen. As we celebrate these marvelous years and what has happened in order to enlarge and heighten our praise, our jubilation, Please allow me to add the Feast of Purim. We need a little time in this service today when we celebrate what did not happen. While we celebrate what did happen, we need to celebrate what did not happen because of the supernatural, because of the divine intervention. I don't expect you to shout right now because you don't know what it was. I don't expect you to be happy today because you don't know what God did. But I want to preach to you a book is as thick as that book you got over there is equal with what could have happened, would have happened, should have happened. But God intervened and did not allow it to happen. So we just praise God for what he did. But that's only part. What we need to praise him for is what did not happen. I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But some of you would be in prison if God hadn't intervened. Some of you would be in the grave if God had not intervened. Some of you would be in the hospitals today if God... Hey, we're not just going to praise Him for what He did. 
or what happened. We're going to praise Him for what did not happen. The Queen of Sheba said to Solomon, the half was not told. Speaking of the glory, the grandeur, and the greatness she witnessed. So let me address the unseen, untold, perhaps not even recognize half of the basis for praise and celebration today. We got to go beyond what he did. We got to go into what didn't happen. What did not happen. They said we're going to celebrate it every year. Take two days. And we're just going to remember he was foiled. What he wanted to do, he couldn't do. What he planned to do, God aborted. What the enemy had in mind for us, God shut it. Oh, we don't praise him, but about half as much as we ought to praise him. The other half is what you did not see, what you did not know that the enemy had in mind for you. But God intervened for you. Let's give him that praise to pour him right now. Celebrate what did not happen. What happened is only half of our reason to praise God. That's only half of our reason to praise God. The uncelebrated, overlooked, neglected limitation on our praise is often not because what God did, but it's what God did not allow to happen, but rather what God did not allow to take place in our lives. I was sitting on this platform, and I had a flashback as I was thinking about the message. And I remember just being a little boy in the back seat of a car with my brother, I'm two years older than he is, and we were in the back seat of that car. And I remember my daddy so drunk he couldn't stand up, but he was driving that car. And while he was driving that car, he was slapping my mother in the front seat, fighting with her while he was driving the car. Had no idea where he was, doing about 100 mile an hour. Brother Wilford, I remember looking up, and all I could see was the hood of an 18-wheeler that was right in front of us. And how in the world we got around that vehicle, I absolutely do not know. So you're going to have to pause just a moment and and let me celebrate what did not happen. I'd like for every one of you to look at your lives right now and reflect on those personal experiences. It could have happened. It would have happened. And sometimes it should have happened. But God stepped in. And said, no, that's not going to be. I remember when my, when my wife was carrying her only child, Christy. And uh, she went to visit her mother. Her mother took care of children. And back then, there was a little child that my mother-in-law was taking care of. And my wife held it and hugged it and kissed it and loved it. When she got back to where we were preaching, my wife was carrying Christy at that time. And the doctors reported at that time that this girl had rubella measles. The baby had rubella measles. And in that time, what it meant was the mother didn't have to contact the disease. Just be in the presence of someone that had that rubella. And the, the, the baby could be handicapped. It could be blind. It could be deaf. It could not speak. It could not walk. And so for the time of the duration of her pregnancy, we carried that fear and that uncertainty of what would happen But needless to say, a beautiful little girl was born. A girl that has written over 500 songs and music director at the Temple of Pentecost and raised five kids and all of that. That could possibly have not been.
had it not been for a divine intervention of God. Think in your mind. Think in your heart. Think in your life. Don't just praise Him for what He did. But praise Him for what did not happen. I'm going to run the aisles for what didn't happen. I'm going to give God praise for what didn't happen. I'm going to rejoice for what did not happen. You've got twice the reason to praise God. Not just what He did, but what did not happen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap right now? And remember the close calls. And remember the near miss. And remember your brush with calamity, casualty, and disaster. But it did not happen. So don't sit here today and say, we praise God too much. Don't say we're too excited. Don't say we've got too much. No, no. There's as much that we don't know about. As there is we do know about. Somebody shout amen. I'm talking about disasters, diseases, near death. But God spared you. God spared you. Somebody shout it didn't happen. It could have happened. It would have happened. Maybe it should have happened. But God didn't let it happen. And I'm going to praise it for what did not happen. I'm going to talk about how about the COVID that could have killed you? How about the cancer that could have taken you out? How about the nearby car crash that you escaped? How about the doctor's report that later on he said, I don't know what happened. But it's, hey, you ain't got a clue what God's done in your life. I get amazed sometimes, pastors, when we pray for people and they're healed. And we don't know what was wrong with them. I don't know what was wrong with him. You never know what kind of major disease was in their body. That's the reason when I pray for people that are sick, I like to speak in tongues. Because when I pray for them and I speak in tongues, the spirit prays like I need to pray, but I don't know how to pray. I believe when I get to praying on people and I'm speaking in tongues, God's telling them what's wrong and God's healing it. And they don't even know they ever had it. They don't even know that was ever near them or in their life. But almighty, that's why we got to add a feast of Purim to this celebration. Thank God for everything that has happened. Thank God for every miracle. Thank God for every blessing. Thank God for every divine intervention. Where's that notebook at? Where's that scrapbook at? I don't see it just a minute. When you look at that book, let me tell you something, folks. This is a book of what did happen. But there is a book this thick that you don't know about, that you've never seen, that you've never read, that the devil had in mind for you, that sickness had in mind for you, that the world had in. That's why we need to praise God twice as much as we have ever praised Him. I think we ought to take a moment and thank God for His intervention in our lives.
I know we're, I know we're supposed to be punctual. I know we're supposed to be on time. But don't ever fuss because you're delayed. You get down the road, you might find a terrible crash. And if you hadn't been delayed, God was saying, no, no, I know what's about to happen. But I'm not going to let it happen to you. I'm not going to, and that divine intervention is what saved your life, saved your home, saved your future. We need to clap our hands and thank God for what did not happen. I wish this church with great unity rise to your feet and celebrate and praise God for what did not happen. You know the story better than I do. You got your own testimony. You got to take what I'm preaching today and apply it to your life. Can I get a witness? Is there anybody knows that God stopped some stuff? That God blocked some stuff. That God aborted some stuff. Your enemy meant it unto you for evil. But God turned it for your good. Now let's preach a little bit about the anniversary quickly and I'll close. I'm telling you, we need to double our praise. We need to praise Him for what did happen. And we need to praise Him for what did not happen. I wonder this day as we celebrate. And of course, your pastor is one of the most positive, affirming, confirming, upbeat, smiling, untouched, unruffled men I've ever met. It kind of reminds me of my heart doctor. I have a heart doctor who is from India. And he is the sweetest, kindest, nicest, smiling little man. When I go to see him, he says, Oh, Wayne, I'm so glad that you are doing so good. I'm so glad that you are doing so good. I am so proud of you. You are my hero. Because in 2005, I should have died, but I didn't. I had a heart attack. When I got to the doctor, he said, this ain't your first heart attack. It's your second heart attack. I'm telling you, all of you got stories like that in your life. It could have happened. If it would have happened, I got one, two, three grandbabies I would not have known. Three of them I would have never met. And they're the joy of my life. It could have happened, but it didn't happen. I think I ought to shout just because it didn't happen. But here's the way, here's the way your pastor is. And this is the way my Dr. Posse is his name. Does that tell you anything, Dr. Posse? When I, oh, you're doing so good, Wayne. I'm so proud of you. I do believe that he would approach me like this. Wayne, it's so good to see you today. Wayne, you have six months to live. Enjoy. That's right. Have a good time. I have good news. Not tomorrow. No, Wayne, not tomorrow. No, not next, not next week, Wayne. No, you have six months to live. Have a good time, Wayne. Wow. You got that kind of pastor who's not a wine bag, who's not a wimp, who is not a victim, who rejects a victimized spirit, who doesn't, who doesn't come here and tell his troubles. Ladies and gentlemen, he's prayed for you when he's more sick than you are. 
I'll never forget when I had that heart attack. I was laying in this room. My wife threatened the church with their lives. You must not come see him. We will not let you in. There's hundreds of you. She said, they told me this is what she said. It happened on a Saturday. She told them Sunday morning, you cannot go see him. He, you're the reason he's there. <laughs> That's what she was. She said, if you love him, care about him, you send him a card. Because if six, seven hundred of y'all get five minutes apiece, how much time is that? He can't handle that. She guarded that door. I, people knock the door. Who is it? Never mind. You can't come in. Wow. So this nurse came in. My wife went home one time to get freshened up to come back to the hospital. Boy, if she knew what happened, that hospital would have been in a mess. This nurse comes in. She gets my chart. She reads it. Wayne Huntley. Oh! She said, are you Pastor Huntley? I said, well, what's left of him? She said, oh, God, I've been needing to talk to you. I have been needing to talk to you. I'm in the bed over there, all hooked up, and all kind of sit down there. All kind of stuff on me, you know. And she comes up beside me and starts telling me all her trouble. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk to you. My husband this, my finances this. And she's, she's here I am, I'm fighting a heart attack, and she's telling, me all, she's telling me all this stuff. My wife would have literally killed her. My wife would be in prison today, but it, thank God it didn't happen. <laughs> I think I need to take a lap on that one. <laughs> so I'm laying there all hooked up, fighting for my life. And she's telling me her troubles and her problems. I said, oh God, lay my hand on her head. God, in the name of Jesus, help this dear lady, Lord. Intervene. She left. I thought, what if my wife knew that? There'd be a funeralness in this hospital. He preaches to you when he's tired. He preaches to you when he's sad. He preaches faith when he's battling with doubt. He preaches encouragement when he's discouraged himself. He loves you and cares for you when he's punishing his own body to do it. There's situations you'll never know about that he had to walk through. There's times I know him. Now here's where I begin to prophesy. Who could have, perhaps would have, and at times thought they should have, told him and his wife, taken glowing opportunities that came to them. In the past 20 years. They are not here today. Because they're not wanted somewhere else. Don't ever think they're here. Because they couldn't be somewhere else. They had glowing opportunities. Marvelous ways to go minister. Larger congregations. Far more money, lot less complications, an easier, more comfortable ministerial climate. At times they felt like giving up. But in this celebration, we're going to celebrate what did not happen. They did not take that position. They did not take that pulpit. They did not take that more money. They did not take a more convenient, easier route. Somebody ought to rise to your feet, clap your hands, and thank God for what did not happen. Somebody said you wouldn't be here six months, right? Somebody said he wouldn't be here a year. 
Somebody said it. Somebody needs to clap your hands. Some of you saints need to run the aisles right now and thank God it did not happen. It did not happen. What could have happened didn't happen. Clap your hands and thank God for what did not happen. Remain standing. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. And I'll read. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Everybody say, I only know part. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. Since the Bible doesn't really say some things we have a right all of us to our own ideas but what's that 30 minutes of silence about Pentecostals ain't never been quiet in their lives but the Bible says there's going to be 30 minutes of silence brother Manny I don't I don't know about that I, how in the world is he going to quieten us all down 30 minutes of silence when we get there This is my opinion. In that 30 minutes, He's going to show you everything that did not happen. He's going to show you every disaster He aborted. He's going to show you every disease He healed. He's going to to show you every way He made a way when there was no way. He's going to show you every time He foiled the devil's plans. To ruin your marriage, to ruin your home, to ruin your family. He's going to show you in that 30 minutes everything he did not let happen. And it's going to be so staggering. It's going to be so shocking. It's going to be so overwhelming that the church is going to stand there. And that's why all I see in the Bible we're going to do in heaven is praise Him. Because there's a whole lot of this you have not seen. There's a whole lot of intervention that you don't know about. There's a whole lot of supernatural moving of His Spirit that right now you can't write it down. Right now you don't know what it is for you because it's the Feast of Purim where we celebrate what did not happen I love this song all my life you know what that said to me it said when I was riding in the back seat of that car with a drunken alcoholic father my brother and I both could have been killed but today we're both Pentecostal UPC preachers because of what did not happen before I got the Holy Ghost he was good to me Before I got baptized in Jesus' name, He was good to me. Before I started living for Him, He was loving me. Throw your hands up and thank Him that all your life, life you have been faithful. Somebody want to get out of that aisle and praise God for what did not happen. What did not happen.